This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, August 21st. Can you believe it? Episode 1999. Woo! Party like it's 1999. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. Feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? How do I get? Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Do you know what that means, Christy? What does it mean, Glenn? Well, if it's 1999, it means Y2K is coming and the whole world's going to come to an end at the end of the year. <laughs> we all thought that might be possible, too. I remember it well. Uh, we all had to fix our computers and every business in the world just went nuts and spent tons of money. Uh, and it was all the talk for the entire year. Now, youngsters have no idea what we're talking about, but everybody that lived through it remembers that very well. Oh, yes, we do. And I'll tell you, it's so funny. I My kids think I'm really old because I graduated from high school in 89 and I, I got married in 99. They're like, Mom, you did everything like last century. You were like so old. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Thanks. <laughs> you ain't got nothing on us. <laughs> uh-huh. I know. We, we don't share our tales. I'm just like, sure, here's my tale. But oh, so funny. Well, you know, one of, the, one, one of the guests coming up, you know, has a company that I went, I, I went, wow, when we had our, our, our farm and stuff, this would have been a great thing to have. And then I went, oh, there wasn't even the internet then. So that wouldn't have been possible. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. People say, so how did you market back then on social media? Well, there wasn't, wasn't social any. media. You know what social oh. media was, people? It was the classified ads in the back of the newspaper. Correct. That was Going it. to the... Yep, that was all we had. Go to the tax store, put up a flyer, call it good. Oh, and if you're lucky, if you had a local horsey newspaper, like if you had a local one, that was wonderful because you could advertise lucky. in that. But there, very few oh. areas had it. I mean, you could, and it was no point in advertising like in the Chronicle and those. First, they were darn expensive, um, and but they went everywhere, so it really didn't cover your local area. It was hard, people. It was rough back in the day when we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow to go to school. That's right. How did we find customers? It was word of mouth. It was pretty much word of mouth. uh, That's why we're all friendly now. See, we're really friendly because we still know how to do that. That's right. (laughs) Jennifer, (laughs) Jennifer's over there sweating from the time we had our barn lesson program and everything. She's now sweating, going, (laughs) "I don't want to relive that." (laughs) (laughs) Having flashbacks. (laughs) It's called a piece of paper and a pencil. That's right. What's coming up? Do you want to know what's coming up on today's show, Glenn? Is that what you're saying? Yes. 
That's what you want to know? Well, coming up on today's CHA episode, we're going to chat with Julie Little, as you had mentioned, and she's the founder and chief cook and bottle washer at Equine Office, a small business that helps folks run their horse businesses more efficiently. And then Matt Wiley is going to stop by and talk a little bit about starting your business from scratch, what it takes, and uh, some of the pitfalls. And then, of course, we're going to have one third guest because Christy likes to keep us really busy. And Tara Reamer is going to stop by and talk about marketing your small business because if nobody knows about it, ain't nobody going to come. So stay tuned for the freight, folks. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, you know, we had we had an acting company, too, where we did shows that we sold tickets to the public. So think about that in pre-internet days. We had to do mailers. I cannot tell you how many nights we sat there stuffing envelopes and putting stamps on envelopes and doing mailers. Oh, yes. it was just nights and nights and nights of doing that. Uh, and then everybody had to send checks because we really there was no other way to pay. So people would send checks, and we'd have to mail them out tickets. How oh, things have changed. <laughs> that is a lot of work. Yes, you think about it, right? It's a lot of work, but we got it done. I, we got we it done. We didn't make table. any money, but we got it done. <laughs> yeah, just food. Yeah. That, that was all we made, just food. That's right. It put ramen on the table. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Ramen is God, good Things have soul. changed. I, I think about doing the acting company now and how easy it would be compared to then. Just for marketing and for ticket sales, just for everything. Buying costumes. We had to make them all because there was no internet to look up where to buy medieval costumes. You know, so <laughs> it, was, it was different. We even advertised on the real radio for our New Year's Eve shows. Ooh, I know. Uh, we felt big time when we bought our first ads on real radio. That was pretty cool. That, that is huge. I know. It was cool back then. Well, uh, Christy, you're coming to WAG. You mentioned right before the show that you're coming to WAG and going to visit us. Oh, yes. I'm so excited that you guys are going to be there. I get to see you. Yes. It's fun to talk once a month, but it's also really fun to see you. So that will be super. Are you performing? Are you doing anything there? Are you coming to just like watch? I am doing the walk around the trade show extravaganza and then literally like a little vacation. So I actually get to go to a horse thing for vacation. That doesn't happen very often. You're going to like sit in the stands and watch an event? (laughs) I am. I know. That's like rare. You're normally stuck behind a booth. Exactly. (laughs) What are you watching? What are you going to see? Putting on the thing. Um, I'm seeing individual championships for reigning and the uh, stadium jumping portion of the eventing. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. And, you yeah. know, we uh, we just uh, are getting secret reports because we have lots of little spies over at Tryon. And one of the things that's a big concern after France is that there's enough toilets because people were waiting an hour to t- or two hours to go to the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. At, at Wagon France. So I'm, I, I've gotten rogue pictures now from behind the scenes of piles of porta potties being stacked up. All around the property. That is so, awesome. Yeah. So I'm glad we have, have early reports scoop. of lots of porta potties. Thank goodness, because that <laughs> we have to have those. So now, if we get rogue reports of lots of food, we'll be happy. That's really all we need: food that and, and porta potties. Then we're going to be good. Uh, you know, Again, horses, food, porta potties. We're horse people. We're yeah, but you're not allowed that. to bring in ramen. Didn't you read the list, Jennifer? You can't no, bring no, your own just food. Set up lots of pots of boiling water and packages of ramen. Give them your five dollars. <laughs> But we go through the line and, one and the other, yeah, and we're a big bowl like in the old days. They just take a big ladle and pour I it want into your. Bowl, please. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we're excited that you're coming. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, I am thrilled about it. But now you're coming uh, right before your conference. So that's going to be interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And just for everyone listening that does not know this, um, if you are part of Horse Radio Network and you go ahead and just let us know you're part of the network and it can be an auditor or just someone listening, we would love to have you come to our event. It's in the end of September. It's going to be in Fort Collins, Colorado at Colorado State University that last weekend. So the 28th, 29th, and 30th. And you can get in for the CHA member rate, which is a drastically reduced rate. And we would love to have you. Uh, NRHA is bringing Ryder Rainer. So you can take a spin or a little slide on a professional reining horse. We've got uh, information about uh, polo and pretty much all breed, all discipline, all the time. And, of course, Jen and Glenn came to ours when we were in Kentucky last year. Yeah, it was and a lot of fun. It is truly hands-on. So really please is. come one, come all if you're interested. So in Colorado, where again? Yeah, Colorado State University up in Fort Collins. It's about an hour north of Denver. Okay, cool. Very good. And, and we're not been at, to Colorado yet. I highly recommend it. Go take an extra two days and explore Colorado. It's beautiful. There you go. And the timing is great because the elk will be bugling and the aspen oh, will we be. We were turning. there during elk bugling. Oh, it's so fun. It's cool. It is cool. It is yeah. cool. And the Rocky Mountain National Park is literally a half an hour away from where we're going to be. Oh, wow. And you got to yeah. go. You have to yeah. go. It's just the coolest thing. <laughs> it really is. Um, we liked Colorado a lot. <clears throat> so, and fall clinics are starting to g- happen, right? They are already. I cannot believe it. And we have quite a few this year. You know, we have a tendency to do most of our clinics uh, for people wanting to get certified as either an instructor or an equine uh, manager of a facility in kind of March, April, May, like they're getting ready for summer, but not this year. Oh my gosh, we had some August clinics and now we're having September, October, November. So just get on our website cha.horse and check out if you want to attend a clinic or audit a clinic or even um, just learn more about us. They're fun to go watch and see what does a clinic consist of? What are they going to see or do? They're going to see and if they participate, they'll actually be teaching riding lessons or showing skills like loading a horse in a trailer, hitching up a trailer, um, putting on poultice wraps um, or teaching people how to jump or do a reining pattern or whatever the case may be. And if they're watching, they'll see all of that and then they can kind of go, yeah, my instructor's doing it right. Or, oh boy, I need to maybe find a new instructor or, oh boy, I just need an instructor in general. So there's lots to watch and learn. And if they're ever thinking about being an instructor, instructor or running a facility, they can kind of see the ropes about all that. Very good. And they go to? CHA.horse instead of .com. We've moved on from .com. We're too cool for that now. So now we're <laughs> CHA.horse. Very good. I got to get podcast.horse. I need to look that up. <clears throat> no, it's very cool. So, oh my gosh, podcast.horse. <gasps> do it right somebody's now, just, Yeah, do, do it, it right do now, Jennifer. Somebody's uh, going to take that quick. All right, so before Jennifer it's not gets not taken the- yet, we're going to get it. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so before Jennifer gets uh gets the first guest on, I wanted to ask you, seeing today, what we're talking about today is very important because many people in the horse world end up starting their own businesses and and they they don't if you want to be in if you want to be in horses and work in horses, in many cases you have to start your own business or they want to start their own boarding stable or they want to start their own whatever, right? Uh, so that's what today, that's what we're focusing on today is starting your own business. And have you done, you've done your own business, right? 
I have. I still have it, actually. It's CJL Training, which just stands for Christy and then my husband, John, and then our last name, Landwehr, because we're not very creative on the naming side of things. <laughs> so it's CJL Training. But I'll tell you, it's... Um, it's good. I First, I had to get a bunch of different things, I think, if you're going to run a business. And I will share my little list with you, if that's okay, of the people in your life that you need to have a business. Yeah. The first person you need is a CPA because you're certified... Um, financial professional will go ahead and guide you um, on what is good and not good to set it up with, um, how to set it up, what to do. Should it be an LLC? Should it be an S-Core, a C-Core, a sole proprietorship, all these different things. And then they'll let you know that your writing breaches are a tax write-off. And that is cool. So you'll definitely want to get yourself one of those. And then the next one is an equine lawyer because they can set up all of your paperwork and make sure that your contracts are good and your liability release forms and all your ducks are in a row there. I think that's also a really important person to have um, in your hip pocket. So and then the last one that I highly recommend is an insurance specialist who specializes in equine. They'll let you know if you have a boarding barn that you need what's called triple C insurance, which is care, custody, and control. They'll let you know that if you have a writing lesson program and you're an instructor, you need what's called professional liability insurance. So a bunch of different things that you need. So those are the three people that I got right away. And I think they really helped my small writing business be successful. Yeah, we made a mistake with one of our businesses of not having the uh, CPA, so that's a good idea. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, much they help you a lot. Yeah, they much, do. It's much easier that way. And you might think, well, I'm such a small business, I don't need it. But that's when you start with one, is when you are a small business. Yes. Uh, because you realize later that you need it, and then it's harder to get one later. Um, because you just have to go through a lot of hoops to get them caught up. So it's just much easier to start that one at the beginning. I agree. And now it looks like we have on a person that I'm so excited to introduce because, boy, does she know a whole lot more about this than I do. This is Julie Little. She is the founder of Equine Office, um, a company in Tottenham, Ontario, Canada, that provides lesson scheduling and workload tracking software for riding schools, trainers, and instructors, and invoicing services for equine business. Little began her career as a software developer and has lived and worked throughout the U.S., Canada, and Europe. And initially, she developed specialized invoicing software, which led to the founding of her equine office. While she has written in multiple disciplines, her passion is jumpers, and Julie has been a competitor on the A circuit. She also operated a hunter-jumper riding school and training business for many years and has been a clinician and a judge of horse shows. Hello, Julie. How are you today? Hi, Christy. Good to talk to you. Good. So the last time, Glenn, that I saw Julie, she was at one of our international conferences. She had a booth, and um, she was there speaking to our people about this. So it's so great to have you on the show today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So tell me, you don't stay in um, Ontario very often. You're always traveling the world. So where are you today? <laughs> I am. Right now I'm in Columbus, Ohio, which is our headquarters for our U.S. operation. And uh, I've been here for about two weeks. But yeah, I don't get home very often, so I think I'm an honorary American these days. <laughs> you always seem to be all around, which is super. I I am. No, it's really great. That's the nice thing I love about this business. You get to go around. Uh, we go to a lot of horse shows and have a booth, and you get to talk to so many different people in the industry. Um, so I've really seen a lot and talked to a lot of people that have been in this business. So it's fun. 
Yeah, go ahead and tell us, Julie, who are all the different variety of clients that Equine Office has had over the years? Well, mostly they have been, I would say, in the riding school boarding training area. Uh, we've had a few show clients like Top A Circuit uh, riders. Um, but most are kind of like CHA instructor types where they start with the riding school, do some boarding, and then eventually uh, do a little bit of showing, like have show teams, that kind of thing. Um, and then in various disciplines, we have a lot of hunter-jumper. Uh, eventing is a big one. Um, and then a few others I have a client that does just driving training for horses. And, uh, yeah, so we have a lot of different uh, disciplines. So when they first come to you and they say, Julie, we need some help, what are some main principles of business and what are some main things that you let them know right off the bat? Well, for people starting out, um, I think the main thing that people have to remember is to treat it like a business. We call it the horse business, but because we're so passionate about what we do with horses, I think a lot of times we lose sight of the business side of it. And sometimes when you start out like that, the clients start to see that as well. So my big thing is put business first. So before you even start, you do the normal things like you would for any business. And don't forget them. Like you were just talking about, I think, getting an accountant, doing insurance, business plans, that kind of thing. So anything you would do for a regular business, definitely do that for your horse business. It's really easy just to go out there and, you know, so it's like, oh, I'll just start by teaching one lesson and whatnot. And then before you know it, like I said, we don't have any time for any of it. Um, and one of the biggest things I tell people when they're starting is to get their policies and expectations of their boarders, their lesson students, everything. Um, get that out in the open and written down and established right away. I see so often people start, and it's hard when you're starting a business to either turn down a client or if they want to change their lesson to another time, it's hard to say no. Uh, If you start this at the very beginning, your clients will have a lot of respect for you and it will be a lot easier down the road because it's really hard once you start going to actually change that. And I, I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls I've seen out there. And Julie, that makes so much sense. Once the dogs are allowed to be loose and running around the arena, it's too late to say you need to put your dogs on a leash or not bring them at all. So I agree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So like, just, I just emphasize that so much. Just treat it like a business. It's professional. Even though it's, it's you know, we love going out and hanging out with the horses. Just remember it's a business. What percentage of your clients have actual actually make their students sign an agreement? I'd say uh, all of them do. Yeah. I would say okay. sign at least a, a waiver for insurance. Um, but I think I um, this is I'm glad you brought that up, Glenn, because this is something I also try and get them to do. It's just to outline your policies. I mean, we do it sometimes with border agreements. I see that a lot. But I think you should do less than student agreements where you sit down and have a little conversation with them. Um, a lot of um, people that are new to the horse business, like they just want to sign the pit up for riding lessons, uh, they're used to other types of lessons like swimming, whatnot. And sometimes they don't really understand the importance of scheduling with the horse business. Why, you know, if they call it the last minute, 
we scheduled that horse to work today and now he's not going to get worked. And I think it's just nice to sit down and explain why we need to do these things and to get them to sign the agreement, say, okay, I'm going to be here 30 minutes before the lesson if that's required. Um, I'm going to follow your makeup policies. If I can't make up a lesson, I don't get it. And I think that's just really good to set expectations right at the beginning. I always, you know, we still hear about barns that don't do uh, boarding contracts. And it's like, they're idiots. <laughs> and and one of the things oh, we, we tell people is if you're going to a barn that doesn't have one, you ought to reconsider going to that barn because they're not professional. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to have that kind of thing, especially boarders. Um you have a little more control with lesson students because they're there under your supervision riding your horses. But with boarders, definitely, they're there on their own. They're doing their own thing. And, you know, a lot of them have different ideas about what's proper than you do, of course. Um, so definitely. I no, think not in the horse world. That doesn't happen. No, no. <laughs> we all have the same things, right? <laughs> <laughs> What do they say? They say you don't talk at the dinner table with horse people about politics, religion, or bits and bidding. That's right. <laughs> don't yeah, talk about that. That's a good that. one. That's a really good one. Don't do it. And we could probably add to yeah. shoe or not to shoe. Also, you don't talk about that at the dinner table. There's many things oh, you don't talk about at the dinner or, table. <laughs> or, yeah, or whether you should leave your horses out all the time or whether they should be in a stall. That's another good one. Oh, Yes. Yes, very true. So you know what, Julie, for I think what we hear a lot of is um, juggling the computer time, which it takes, unfortunately, which most of us don't like when we're in the horse world. We'd rather be out with the horses. But to have a successful business, you got to do the paperwork side. So how does one juggle the computer time with the out in the barn time? How do you guide your clients in that way? Uh, Well, I get them to schedule it, like just make it a part of your day. And I said, whether it's like, you know, when you get home exhausted, you know, you treat yourself to a nice meal or a glass of wine, then do your computer work while you're kind of relaxing then, as opposed to, you know, leaving it till the end of the month and just keeping on top of it. Um, one thing we do with our invoicing clients is we actually send out uh, pre-printed workbooks for them. So that's just something they can keep. And I always say, just keep it in your truck, you know, just before you get out or you're in line at Starbucks in the drive through just go through, jot it down every day what you're doing. Just keep on top of that. Um, and then now we actually have a lot of computer systems. Uh, actually, we're releasing this one this fall. We're having a actual touch display you can actually have in your barn where you can just go in, touch, oh, this horse did this, this horse did that. And there's a lot of uh, apps, things like that. So we don't have to separate it so much anymore. We can actually use our computers at the barn sometimes. If we have good internet connection, which is a big if. But that is cool, though, to be able to have a touch screen, to be able to do those things when you're at the barn. So right after the lesson's over and you're waiting for the next lesson or whatever, right after you've put the training ride on the horse, you can just do it right away. That's great. Yep. You just say, done, done, done. And it's, uh, yeah, because I personally, I mean, I'm a, obviously a computer person, but I hate doing, I hate um, drop down things like that. I've always just wanted to have a touch one like they do in uh, restaurants when you see the uh, waiters and that do that. It just, it, for some reason, just mentally, it doesn't seem as much like computer work to me. So um, just do something, touch, 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 done, and it's there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Also good, though, that you still offer the old-fashioned paper way, too, for those that just don't want to screen at all. So you kind of do both, which is great. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's how we started with the old-fashioned paperway, um, doing that. We were originally going to release our invoicing software to the public. And then just to test some real data, I had sent out these workbooks to a few trainers. And they were just like, oh, this is great. I just have to check this off, check this off, send it to you. Um, so I realized there was actually a market for that. Um, and then our lesson scheduling software, this is what we just released this uh this uh, spring, um, we had just as I go to all these shows, I had so many trainers come up and ask me for lesson scheduling for the horse industry because everybody was using scheduling systems for I had one use one for golf lessons, one use one that was for sailing lessons, <laughs> you know, everything under the sun but horses. So that's why we ended up releasing our lesson scheduling and horse workflow tracking software before we did our invoicing software to the public. So besides helping with kind of invoicing and software and all the different things that you do for an equine business, do you help them with marketing at all? And if so, what ideas do you have? I don't help them specifically with marketing, but I have seen and talked to what a lot of people have done and what's uh, worked for them. Uh, Right now, I think having the website absolutely is uh, important some people just like, oh, well, I have Facebook, I have a Facebook page, no big deal. But it's, I still think it's really important to have your website for your static information. So you list your policies there, um, what you're about, um, pictures, just, just so they have an overall business or idea that they can always go and refer to. So I think that's really important to still have. And then the Facebook page to keep up with the uh, you know, day-to-day or quick updates. It's easier to update than a a computer, or sorry, than a website. Um, And I've had, uh, this is interesting, I've had a lot of people have success with Groupons when they're starting a riding school. Um, So I think everybody's familiar with that. You buy something and like a Groupon for like $20 and you get three riding lessons or something like that. They say it's a curse and a blessing because probably 90% they're, you know, not interested. They're just trying to get the free lesson, but they have actually gotten a good influx of students from that. So that's, you have to, I thought that was really that the ones well. I, I've seen that have done it have to be real careful because you have to limit the number and a lot of people don't figure yeah. out, I'll get as many as I can. Yeah. Well, then what happens is you're all booked up yeah. with these cheap, not making any money lessons for a long time. And they yeah, do, that's like, a really, yeah. really good point. So definitely limit yeah. the number because yeah, it can hurt you too. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, and it's not like you know we just had another uh, uh, session on you know we, we the horses have their limits, uh, so it is very, very important. That's a really good point, Glenn. Another thing that I've seen that work are um, I always tell people when they're starting, it's a really good idea to join. Um, any sort of small business community, there's a lot of them out there, a lot of different types, some for women in business, some for small businesses in the community. And not only is it good for your sanity because you get to hear other people talking about the same issues you go through, but in different industries, but it's great for networking. People want to support each other in in the community, in the small business community, and everybody that's in there probably has kids as well. So even though you're not there specifically advertising your business, it's networking. And I, I think that's a really great way to go. 
I think you're right about that. You know, this, I did not plan this, but at my church, I am the only person that's into the horses. So I have ended up with quite a few clients from church, which is interesting um, because I teach riding lessons on the side, you know, besides running CHA. And then also, and this, I also did not expect this to turn into money, but it's interesting. They always ask me to be the horse leader at 4-H. And I just say, you know, I just can't because my boys do rabbits and they do um, chickens and some other things in 4-H, but they don't do the horse project. But I I said, I just can't, can't dedicate that time. But what I will do, I'll give you two days or sorry, um, two hours worth of lessons right before the um, actual county fair comes up. So I end up with like eight beginners in a session and like 10 advanced in a session. And we do a big group session. And I've done this now for two years in a row. Well, from that, I've had people come and say, now we want private lessons from you. And then they pay me. And I did not oh, expect that. Yeah. I truly expected it just to be a give me. So now I've become um, the yeah. belt buckle sponsor because I I feel guilty because I'm supposed to be volunteering in 4-H, not taking money. So now I'm the belt buckle sponsor, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's nice because now I can use that lesson money and give back and promote my business. So it's been, it's Excellent. been kind of a fun yeah. way to do it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Another thing I found really successful that people have done is having birthday parties, not necessarily for the public, but for your students say, okay, when it's your birthday, you can invite, you know, five other friends and uh, come and try it. So these are non-riders, that, and that's a great way to get their uh, to get more people in and get ex- exposure to your business that might not have it otherwise. And they already have an in with the existing rider, so they're going to go to you if they want to start riding. And uh, that's something I didn't think of when I had my own, but I've seen a lot of people do that, and they said how successful it is. That's a good idea to do it with kind of a perk for the student to be able to have their birthday party there. And then that kind of ends up being a perk for you as the business owner. I love that idea. Yeah. So I thought that was a good one. Wish I had thought of that (laughs) before. So So do you have, Julie, some do's and some don'ts for people out there? You've been doing this for so long. What are some specific examples? And you, of course, don't have to name anybody, but what are some specific examples of things that went horribly wrong for people and you had to fix it or things that went extremely well? Um, my biggest thing I always tell everybody is just the record keeping. You don't have to have a, you know, a top-notch computer system, but even if it's just a paper system, write down everything because I tell you, the money that's left on the table at the end of the month from people forgetting what they did is phenomenal. It's, it, it just blows my mind. And I know I've actually done it myself. I'm a good record keeper. And, but in my business, you know, you get to do your licensing at the end of the month because you didn't have time. And it's like, oh, did I do that? And it's like, oh, forget it. I just got to get this out. And so many people leave money on the table. And that's, it's such a hard business. You know, it's a thin profit margin to begin with. Um, we don't want to be doing that. And it's funny so how the people the taking the lessons never chipe up and say, ah, you forgot to bill me for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. True. It, it uh, works never happens that way. Although I have, had, <laughs> I have had people actually tell me that their students do come to them and say, okay, this is what I owe you. <laughs> okay, this is what I did. Um, so obviously you don't want to get that to that point. So I think that's a, a big, big thing. Um, the other thing is not to underestimate your value. I see a lot of people, they're like, oh, but I'm doing what I love. And so they're like, oh, I'm just going to charge this. And I don't want to charge to go to this show. Uh, I 
really important. Just this is your time. You're a professional. And again, this is where it comes into treating it like a business, which I think you, you value yourself, treat it as a business. And things like everybody has different fee structures. So some, you know, the big show barns, they're usually full service. Uh, some charge for extras, but I see a lot of smaller boarding areas, barns that start and they'll end up doing things like, you know, changing a horse's poultice for a month or doing extra hand walking or things like that. And they don't charge for it. And I think that's uh, really important to do. Again, it's valuing your own time. So that's my biggest thing. Um, the other thing I always tell people is to have people pay in advance because we all know it's so easy for them. If they don't pay in advance, then, then they cancel us. And it's really, 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 really hard to get that money back. So pay in advance. Some people, they don't have indoor arenas, so they have to cancel with, uh, with weather and stuff. But still, you can pay in advance. So this is good for four lessons, whether it's for that month or it carries over. Um, but just, it just gives you a commitment. And again, I think the clients value. Take it a little more seriously. I think um, that's a great idea. We advise all of our um, people that we coach with the CHA process. We say, value yourself enough that a ground lesson is worth just as much as a mounted lesson. So for those of us that only have an outdoor arena... Yeah, we do ground lesson and we charge them the same price. It's well, it's just the same amount of time, right? Yeah. It's time. Absolutely. A lawyer's not going to charge you less because he's doing so, you know less paperwork in that hour. He's we put it in an hour, <laughs> True. right? So the doctor's charging you for an hour. Yeah. He's with you for an hour, so it doesn't matter what he's doing. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's really good too because uh, I remember when I was growing up taking riding lessons and. It sometimes be too cold or it was like it was ridiculous but we just sat in this little trailer and had a theory lesson or you know did something in the barn and i i thought it was great when i was a kid i, I wasn't disappointed um <laughs> you know if you're a horse crazy kid you just want to be there so i think that's great that you do that it's just so good you know and we have such a variety right now julie of listeners that come from kind of all walks of life um how about now let's just veer off just for a second and talk about those that have a business now and have a pretty successful business but they just want to maintain it they just want to keep it going and not get burnt out and just keep rocking along what are some suggestions that you have for those folks oh i love that you brought up the burnt out factor that is huge in this business um so, yeah, you really have to, my biggest thing is always like to take time for yourself, schedule it in. Um, I did, And find so many people, and I know I went through this myself, I got into the business because I wanted more time to ride for myself and you end up not ever riding your own horses and things. So really, really, really plan to take time for yourself. And that's a lot easier. When, once you do get established, you know, clients are happy. Don't be afraid to make those rules. I see so many times they're like, oh, but if I do this, my clients will leave. Or if I, you know, increase my prices by $5, clients will leave. You know what? They won't. <laughs> Chances are they won't. If you're successful already, doing those little things aren't going to change it. So do, do make sure you get time for yourself. And increase the um, prices on a regular again, basis. That's the biggest mistake we always made is we'd go, we wouldn't increase our prices for years. And then all of a sudden we'd bump it up really hot. You know, we have to bump it up a lot because we didn't. And we, it would have been yeah. better to put it up five, ten dollars a year than it was to go fifty in one shot. You know, so right. Yeah. 
as a shock. Yeah, you're right. And another thing I've often said is to um, use credit cards. I, like, I mean, I can't stand that the credit card companies get 3% of my business for doing nothing, basically. But it is such today, especially if you have a, a routing school with so many kids going in, it's great because it's, it's just an automatic payment. It's already recorded straight into your account. And you don't go half to chasing money. And it, I think chasing money is the worst thing a lot of trainers have to go through. Like if you have war payments late or you go to a big show, you don't pay. And that's just such a hassle and it creates bad feelings. So I like to just have a credit card. It's there. It's done. Well, now, let me and ask you about that. It used to be lot. hard to get a credit card account. You used to have to go through flaming hoops. But now with Square and some of yeah. the others, which one do you recommend? I mean, you know, they just make it easier, much easier I, now. Yeah, I've been using Stripe, and it's it's like Square as well, okay. and Paytel. So they are basically the merchant account providers. You're using their merchant account. Right. So it is very easy to get an account. And that's what is so nice, because, yeah, I remember trying to get mine when I originally started, and you're right, it was like going through hoops. Well, and you had to pay um, tons of money so for the great. little swiper things, and they charge. Yeah, I mean, it was just oh, yeah, expensive, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. they charge, like, just to have the uh, pleasure of having one. Right. (laughs) Even if you never used it. And you had to have minimums. Yeah, yeah, you had to have minimums and everything like that. So it is a lot easier now. So And and then everything almost is integrated with it. Almost every software is integrated with these systems now. So I I think it's personally worth it. I, I had another client. She just got in a system. She says, that's it. Our prices are going up 5%. We're using credit cards, and that's it. And they won't let anyone else. They won't let you pay any other way. You have to use a credit or debit card, like obviously an online payment. Um, And because she just got – this is a a lesson barn that was doing 200 lessons a week. And she she just – it was too much. Like you you had to have a person just almost full-time keeping track of all the checks and who paid and cash and whatnot. So I I think that's a real lifesaver in this business. Interesting. Yeah, never thought about that. And and also handling cash always has a risk, right? Depending who's taking the oh, cash. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Like, you, you forget or you put it in the wash and checks as well. Because sometimes you'll get a check from a parent and it'll have the same, won't have the same last name as the kid. And you oh, we've never washed a and... check and hung it up to dry after hoping you can still read it. We've never <laughs> done that. Oh, that's too bad. You missed out. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, Julie, we so appreciate all of these ideas today. They're just so good. So now for those that are listening that are maybe interested in finding you, what is the best way to go about doing that? Um, Our website is the best way. It's simple. It's equineoffice.com. And all our information is on there and with a link to our Facebook page. And uh, you can find us that way. That's the easiest way, I think. Well, thank you, because it was so much fun having you at the conference, and I'm glad you were able to share again today, and I hope I see you at another conference really soon in person again. Definitely, and thank you so much for having me. Yes, thanks, Julie. Have a good day. Okay, thank you. Okay, so I made most of those mistakes. How about you? Oh, my gosh, without a doubt. Though I'll tell you something I did right. I was so excited. She said, time for you. Guess what I just got to do this past weekend with my family? What? We got to go horse camping, ATV camping. Really? 
but not together at the same time. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the gentlemen went off and did the ATVs on their trails, and then the ladies of the families we went with went horseback riding down the other trail. Oh, that's so cool. Much fun. Were you in the Rockies? Yeah. Did you go up to the mountains? We did. We went up right outside Sedalia. It was about, a, would say, an hour and 15-minute drive from where I live. And the only thing I didn't like, there was some really intense hairpin turns. And my son, Kyle, will tell you I didn't like that part very much, Glenn. Oh, you mean the driving the up, up or the riding the, the horses? Down. No, no, the driving the of driving. my trailer and truck. Yes. I know. Ooh, when we I were driving like up in the mountains there and we'd see the trucks and trailers and I, I went, I don't think I could do this on these roads. It was crazy. Oh, it was a little crazy. And I'll tell you, even on the way down, I downshifted like a good girl, but I still smelt my brakes a little bit at the bottom of the hill. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, and, that and, is, that freaks me out a little bit. And you see these tractor trailers just, you know, because they probably do it every day, but they're just flying. I was like, yes. what? How oh my you- gosh. And then what I don't like is when you're going up the hill or down the hill and you get the big old line of people behind you and you're stressing mm. out because you know they're like, ah, horse person right. in my way, right? <laughs> so then you pull over to the side of the road, you let them all go flying past, you wave at them all sheepishly, hello. And then you have to try to get back on the road without another one flying into you. Oh my gosh. And then it starts again with the big old long line. Yeah, no, that was stressful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That is stressful. And we, you know, and even if you're on a highway, when you're coming down some of those steep hills in the mountains, it's just nerve wracking. It's just, yes. it is. I always found going down much more nerve wracking than going up too. Uh, that's just me. I always, I was that way with horses too. I always found, find going down much more nerve wracking than going up. I don't know oh why. Gosh, it's the I same agree. consequence if you fall over the edge, but I don't know why. Maybe it's because well, I can see going down. I don't know. Baby, but I'll tell you, that was that was the scariest part. The trails themselves, oh my goodness, Glenn, we did not even have to have shoes on. They were just these glorious trails, hardly rocky at all, really sandy and nice. It was really quite nice. We were we were really thrilled about that part. Views around every corner and Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this gorgeous, like we were able to take some um, pictures, you know, you know how you always do the selfie or you do the forward shot with the ears in it. You got to have the horse's ears and then the view and the, yeah, you have to have that shot when, when you trail ride. So we did lots of that. And, you know, my boys, they hopped on and we kind of rode around the campground, but they have really no desire to go on a long trail ride. But then that was great because this particular family we went with had the ATVs and the, those things. So they got to go down the trail and do their thing. Which we did when we were in Colorado, too, uh, the off-roading stuff. And that was fun, too. We had a good time with that, too. Um, Yes. Now, you uh, did you high tie or did you have corrals or what? No, they it was awesome. Backcountry Horsemen of America had come into this particular camp, and it's called Indian Creek for any of those that are listening and live in Colorado want to come. And you pay a fee to stay per night, and they have 12 by 12 panels that they turned into outdoor stalls. Hmm. And it worked well, huh? Oh, it was great. And they had groups of four stalls together or groups of two stalls together. So because we went with two families, we needed the four stalls together. And our horses just hung out right there together and loved it and had their little communal area. And then they had a potable water right there from a spigot. And then they, the best part, Glenn, for me, they had a bathroom. Yes. Best part for for me, too. A real bathroom. <laughs> like running yeah, water and everything. Was, that was really good. <laughs> I know. I loved it. Well, and I'll tell you, somebody that knows a whole lot about camping is our next guest. Um, This is Matt Wiley. He is CHA certified with us and the executive director of Marmon Valley Farm, a Christ-centered family-owned farm in Zanesville, Ohio. 
He runs it with his sister, Jane Olson. The farm was founded by their parents, and the duo took over the reins in 1984. Wiley's wife, Kathy, also is a CHA master instructor and a clinic instructor for us, and she serves as the lesson coordinator. Matt has served in various roles. He's called Wrangler Matt while growing up, including leading trail rides, doing maintenance work, and he even flips some serious pancakes. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. So good to have you on today. How is the weather there in Ohio? Well, we've had a challenge making hay this year. We get uh, about two or three days a window to make hay, and then it rains again. So we're kind of up against Uh, the, uh, yeah. The elements are fighting you this time with your haymaking. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Well, we would love to know. Please give us um, the history. It's so awesome that you guys have been doing this literally for generations. Tell us about how Marmon Valley first got started. Yeah, my mom and dad were inspired by another couple in the area that ran a little farm camp. And part of the activities included uh, riding horses and crafts and archery and things like that. So a little farm came up for sale back in 1964, and they thought they'd give it a go. And so about 75 acres and and a few horses and all that, and they got the ball rolling back in, uh, like I say, 1964. So it uh, it wasn't uh, just kind of a little mom-and-pop operation, but people loved the idea, and pretty soon things started taking off. That is a long time. So what do you think has made it successful all these years? Well, yeah, as I read that uh, question, or that, I thought about that question, but, you know, it's kind of neat that the consistency, I think, is what really helped us out. Um, somewhere along the line, my dad found CHA somewhere in 1968 or 69, way back in the early days, and he really kind of thought that would be a good program to try, and so after a few years, it, it stuck, and um been doing it ever since. So really having that consistency, and also having those instructors go through some good training time. We spend um, all of our summer staff go through a, a MVF style clinic, which is based on the CHA along with our you know, head instructors to get them well-trained to do the trail rides, do the group lessons and all that, you know, supervised under our clinic instructors. So that's probably been one of the really biggies is having that consistency in the program over the years. Also, we've, we've uh, thrown some variety in there in the last uh, 15, 20 years, with a little bit of vaulting, of course, and driving and things like that. So having that variety in your program, too, uh, draws some that keeps, you know, keeps some of those older kids coming back and things like that. I think that's fun. Do you find that the boys kind of vaulting? I know my boys did the vaulting for a while and really liked that. Do you, do you find that? Yeah, there's, there was a few uh, boys in our program this summer that uh, really uh, jumped on that. They've done some gymnasts, or they're very athletic. So it just kind of depends each week who you're getting there to, uh, to give it a try. Now, I'm a carriage driver. You mentioned driving. What, what, are the, what do kids think of driving? Oh, they love it. We have uh, about six or eight uh, horses and slash ponies, even a couple minis that we use. And so they get a chance to go around the arena. The more advanced kids will take down the driveway and, and get, take the rigs out. Um, so, yeah, we don't have anything really, really fancy, but it gives them all the basics, and they realize that they are now wider than they are when they're on the horse. So some of those cones get, you know, knocked over and all that, but uh, they really enjoy that. Oh, good. Okay, good. Because a lot of riders hate driving. They think it's too dangerous. So <laughs> 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 Us we, drivers. we have a local doctor... 
Yeah, go yeah ahead. we have a local doctor who played polo uh, down in Columbus, Ohio, and he comes out about twice a summer to a couple of our specialty camps and teaches polo in the indoor arena. So that's kind of fun, too, for a, a unique uh, little program activity. That is fun. That's a totally different sport again. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. It takes some hand-eye coordination. I tried it once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you tried it, Matt. I think that's good. Right, well, right. So let's go back to, for those that are listening that maybe are thinking, uh, starting something, I would really love to. I've got this land. Maybe it was you know, passed down in my family or maybe whatever's going on. What kind of capital, what kind of um, things do you really need to kind of get started with all of this? Well, I think, uh, you know, more so than figuring out the finances and also having that, that good, consistent help. I mean, you have to have some people with, with uh, that are willing to be patient with those campers, those first-time riders who even can be a little bit nervous or scared. So you have to really kind of get your, your, your help lined up um, along with yourself if you're going to be the head instructor. But, but I think that's one of the key things, you know, knowing your market, who you're going to have to help uh, work that market with the staffing and so on. Um, yeah, I think the whole financial picture, because, you know, mom and dad started with next to nothing. And then as word of mouth kind of got out and, and, and kind of as people kept coming back, that helped the program grow. So really, you know, it's nice to have stuff already paid for, but we've we've kind of made our go all along the way and keep uh, keep just trying to reinvest back in the program. So, so for people to get kind of an idea... Could you tell us, um, just, I, I'm just going to deviate just for a second. Can you tell us about how many horses you have on the property? How many campers you serve a year? What are some of your statistics for folks listening? Oh. Uh, for the last 20 years, we've had about 150 horses. And so we're kind of unique and a little bit maybe crazy on the other side where each camper that comes gets their own horse for the week. So we have about 100 campers a week for eight sessions, eight weekly sessions. And they get their own horse for the week. And so we also have a few extra horses, of course, for the ones that might be lame or for the instructors and so on. Uh, that 150 also includes some minis where we do a little, um, we call it mini fun, where the younger campers go, to go down and, and brush and lead the minis and all that. So we do, like I say, about 100 campers a week for eight weeks and have the 150 horses. So you have to have a few ready to you know, bring in if one horse has an abscess and things like that. So. And then what are some it's ideas? Matt? It's a lot to manage. And what do you do when the eight <laughs> weeks is not is over? What do you do for the rest of the year to make money there at camp? Uh, yes, we're also kind of unique. We're in, a, in an area in Ohio where there's some other tourist attractions. And so from day one, I'm not sure where dad got this idea, but we started a riding stable. So when the horses aren't real busy with the camping program, the campers all ride in the morning, the afternoons, our public riding stables is open. So we could have a group of 50 come in for trail rides. And since we have that large herd, we can accommodate that. We also do uh, group lessons and private lessons. So on the weekends, we're open then for, you know, groups to come in, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. So you have to think of the different ways you can utilize your horses to help, you know, keep that income flowing in for you. Uh, some people stick with just, just lessons, but also the uh, the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts have the badge programs to work on. So that's kind of a nice, you know, for your area to provide that for them. So, yeah, you have to think of different that. We even do some crazy things, like we do a, a dad-daughter date. We just did last weekend where 
the dad and daughter come in, they ride horses, then we do a little dinner for them and a barn dance. So you have to kind of think outside the box sometimes of other things you can create and market to your local uh, public. All right, Matt, I'm just, I have this picture in my mind of you in Ohio there in rural Ohio. It's absolutely beautiful up there. And you're running this camp and doing all of this. The only thing that's missing is the Christmas tree farm where you give carriage rides out to cut down your own tree at Christmas. Well, now you're hitting another subject for us. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't know. I, I was just guessing that just would make it ideal. About 20 years ago, we started a country Christmas program. Of course you did. Uh, we don't use horses a whole lot, but we do use our donkeys. Our donkeys go to work that weekend. Awesome. And we do have a couple We have a couple people on big horses as Roman soldiers riding through the crowd. But it's a country Christmas. It's different scenes from the birth of Christ. We also offer pony rides and a take-home craft and petting zoo, so our animals get work that weekend. We had, uh, what was it? 3,100 people in four nights last year. So. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of people. <laughs> there you go. The donkeys get to get work a little bit, you know? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and they hate it even once a year. It's like, oh, i got to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> work ethic issues on the donkeys. Yes. I love it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, Matt, so for those folks listening, what are some do's and don'ts that you have um, that you could share with others that you've experienced along your journey? Well, I think even as we try these new programs, you know, you have to keep that safety in mind all the way along. So, for example, we've uh, even dabbled with archery on horseback, whether it was off of a, uh, a wagon where you have one person driving and the other person could shoot the target. Um, so we've done some of the, uh, padded arrow tips. We've also done the real arrows. It depends on your targets and all that. We've done some overnights. And again, you just have to really kind of think through your, your whole safety factor on how things apply. So that's one of the really biggest is, is kind of making sure your whatever programs you're doing, whatever guests you come on site, you know, that you don't have an umbrella popping up, uh, right in front of a horse, just, just lots of things like that. You have to really think through. And then also working with your local, whatever state you're in, you know, what are some of the guidelines and rules and or some of the signs you can put up to protect yourself to really kind of check on some of those local, you know, making sure that the authorities or your state laws are kind of posted or help you out or whatever. I, but I think the variety and program has really helped us over the years. Because we also do like little school field trips that come in, uh, get a hayride, animal tour, and a pony ride. So again, it's time to utilize some of your, your program midweek or whatever when it's a little bit slower on lessons or, or summer camp. So having that variety has been a big plus for us. Uh, some of the don'ts, I could go, I could probably spend a long time on that, but I'm not sure if I open that door right now. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the thing you have the biggest challenge with? Is it employees? Is it, you know, what's your biggest challenge every year you go, oh, I've got to deal with that again? Well, some of those challenges are, you know, you have you have some good helpers that are, are pitching in for that season, but then they're moving on because of of uh, of college or change of, of environment, whatever it might be. So I think that's kind of, yeah, you have to retrain every year, which is kind of an ongoing, you just have to kind of accept that. We've had, you know, a few consistent people that live close by, but your your college kids and high school kids are kind of always coming and going. So having that continual training process to get them ready to help serve for the next season. Wow, and so and, you know, not you know, not every not everybody is really uh, has the the right patience levels and or the instructing. I mean, we've got a couple of key instructors, but then to have that person come in and 
and jump right in there. It takes a while to get them trained. What a lot of people don't realize is with camps like yours, uh, there are people who provide horses to camps, and then that way you don't have to take care of them after the season's right. over. But yep. you guys actually do keep them. They're your horses. Correct. We keep them year-round because we pretty much go from uh, – we also have a winter lesson program with the indoor arena, but uh, we're pretty much, you know, go a pretty strong nine months, so – you have to do a lot of business to make it profitable with 150 horses. Are you? And, and of course, you're always retiring horses and getting new ones. Where do you shop for your horses? Or and do you take them uh, from scratch and train them yourselves, or do you buy you know trained horses? We used to go through the whole training thing years ago, but it's a lot easier to, to try and find that horse that's already uh, can be put in the system within a couple months. Uh, recently we've had a lot of horses given to us in the last few years, people just looking for a good home for an animal or they just can't, you know, their daughter's off to college type of thing or whatnot. We did have to go shopping recently for a couple larger horses. Uh, we got a couple half draft mules and some Belgians in because, uh, for trail ride purposes, uh, you know, some of your larger riders need that, that bigger horse and that bigger saddle. So we had to do some shopping. We had, we went probably a couple hours away, I think, even in the middle of Pennsylvania to try and find a couple that could fit that need. Who's, who cleans the tack? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of tack. It's a lot of tack. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do a real basic. We also have switched to uh, some of the lighter weight saddles. Some of the, the uh, big orange Cadora saddles have that lighter weight. Uh, so they have more nylon on them and not quite as much leather to keep up with. And we've found they've held up good because you're – putting less weight on the horse it's less weight for the camper to lift up there and then overall maintenance it's also lighter so we don't have some of those high dollar saddles in our program but yeah we, uh, we even teach the campers some real basic cleaning skills so one of the to help teach responsibility um, they do that one afternoon some of the older campers come down for one period and do a little bit of tack cleaning well, you know, I thought about whether I was, I was wondering whether you use synthetic saddles because they become so popular and they're easy to clean. Yeah. 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 We have, uh, I mean, when a person says they have a used saddle for sale, I still look at it because when they say used saddle, I got saddles that they've been in this program since the early 70s. So <laughs> you just put yes. some new stirrup leathers on, get your new Latigo, you know, and keep that thing going as long as it'll hold up. So. But uh, we, we do a little, a little more tack maintenance in the wintertime when it's slower. So go through the equipment, you know, pretty through in the wintertime with some oiling and uh, checking all your uh, spots or the more wear tear areas. We every now and then will take a few things to a local Amish uh, to have some things sewed up or whatnot, too. So, Do you use English and Western? Do you use both or just Western? Yeah, we've had uh, had the English riding since, again, for probably uh, since we've been at CHA since the late 60s. So. It's nice to have that variety again because some of your upper-level English girls, we do a horse-and-around camp and or an equestrian camp to help keep those uh, older girls coming back. And we do a little jumping program end of the week for the parents to watch and things like that, too. So, Cool. So diverse, Matt. That's what I think has made you guys so successful. What ideas do you have for folks listening, whether they've been doing it a long time and they have a business and they're just like to the point where they're like, I don't know where to find new people, getting a little burnout on all this. Do you have some ideas for marketing for different folks? You know, it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, we dabble with Facebook with a few things, even this most recent dad-daughter activity I mentioned. And we had the uh, uh, several uh, dads come just through the Facebook stuff. So I think whatever you can use, emails, Facebook, uh, whatever else is out there. I've, I haven't figured out some of the other Twitter stuff myself yet. I'm kind of old school. But, you know, 
if you can get word out there and pretty soon someone finds out, you know, from their group of friends that someone's going, Hey, that sounds like a fun thing for me to do. So I think you have to kind of, when it comes to advertising and marketing, you have to kind of keep your name out there. We go to equine affair down in Columbus every year and spend the weekend down there keeping our you know brochures in people's hands. But yeah, you have to kind of hit a little bit of radio a little bit. You just got to keep that variety out there so people can keep hearing that name. And then of course, word of mouth is a good one too. Um, and we support some of the ones who are always looking for a little uh, donation at the fundraiser event, either at the school or whatnot. So, but uh, it, it takes a lot. I mean, you got to stay on top of that. We also try and keep our website pretty current and keep trying to get our name to, to pop up there as soon as they you know type in Horses Ohio, whatever, too. So, I always love seeing you at Equine Affair. I think it's awesome. I always see yeah, most of your yeah. whole family there, and yeah, I think that's great that that helps you because it's right there in your state. You know, that's that's useful oh, to have yeah. one of the largest ones right there. Yeah, we uh, we know we've picked up. Uh, we had some campers come from West Virginia. You know, it's like about a five hour drive that found about through Equine Affairs. So it's nice to keep, like I say, keep your name out there, make sure people still uh, are aware of your programs and all that. So Matt, how do folks find you? What is the best way? Uh, probably our website's the best way. I mean, MarmonValley.com. Just uh, check it out. Uh, we've got some different things posted there, and we're always more than happy to share ideas. I think if you if you try and retain and, and, and act somewhat selfish with your programs, your activities, then you don't grow as much either. So we've, over the years, have always tried to, to let them know what we're doing, talk to other people in the industry and see what's working for them. That's, that's what helps these programs grow. You know, instead of reinventing the wheel, just find out how their wheels are turning and try and, you know, use similar ideas. So that's, that's great that when people want to start a program up, hey, who can I call, who can I talk to, or what's working, what's not. So it's, it's nice to share that information, whether it's at a CHA conference or a, a camping conference with, you know, horse people involved. It's nice to kind of really um, share ideas and what's what's working and what's not. Do you think, uh, just curiosity question, this is the 30,000-foot view. Are camps in general, uh, are is attendance going down as more and more kids aren't leaving the house anymore? Or, or have you seen it going up? What have, what have you seen? Well, the recession really hurt everybody, and it, it kind of did a major major drop, and it kind of climbed back up. But yeah, I think uh, from what I've just when you pick up at a at a trade show, or you're passing flyers out of the school. I think parents might be a little more hesitant with all this you know, mess in the world today, some of these school shootings and things like that. A little more protected, you know, and even just just getting the kids out of the house is a challenge these days. There's so many games they can do on the computer. You know, you can do this, so you can you can ride a horse uh, by doing it on a computer anymore, you know. It's kind of like so. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little more of a challenge to get kids outside. And we, we do, when they come, they, they can't use their cell phones. So when they do come, it's a, it's a neat chance to see them just disconnect, just have fun as kids, to actually talk to people face-to-face instead of through a screen. So, really, it's, it's great for them to get them out, you know, get them outside for that week and just, you know, take that uh, disconnect. But... It's a, it's a bit of a challenge, and plus there's so much. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, you never heard of soccer. Well, right. Was, that's like a year-round, you know, right. soccer's like a year-round thing now. Yeah, nobody so. played soccer when I was growing up either. So now, question for right, you, right. too, then, have you experimented with adult camps, especially adult women camps, you know, women's-only adult camps, because... 
you know, even with our listeners, that's where most of our listeners are coming from. They're in that 30 to 50 range of women whose kids are finally leaving the house and they're getting their first horse or their second horse. They're coming back into it. And I know camps for women is becoming a big thing in general. Have you experimented with that? I've had some discussions with that. We have not nailed down a, a time to do that yet, but even like having a uh, an early weekend, like a Thursday night through a Saturday lunch is a kick that I think we've kicked around to do like a short, you know, a deal like that. Uh, the women I talked to were like ecstatic about it. So when are you going to do that? So, no, I think so yeah, we just, also do like a... Judging yeah. from our listeners, you, I don't know why that isn't being done at every camp across the country now. I think they're looking to get together with other yeah. horse people. And if they don't have to take care, you know, if they don't have to bring their own horse, that's always a, a plus. And you have the perfect situation for that. And you're right. Long weekends probably would be the best. Yeah. Yeah. We actually do have one of our lesson folks. Uh, we have a, a Honda of manufacturing nearby. There's a gal from Japan who's bringing over some friends next spring to do some horse-related activities over a five-day period. So they're not spending the night, they're, but they're going to do you know some horse activities every day for because it's so much cheaper here than it is in Japan. So she's excited about that. So <laughs> you're getting them from all over, Matt. I love that. Well, I so appreciate oh, yeah. you being on the show. Yeah. You guys have been a long time. I mean, literally, Glenn, you understand when he said 60, CHA is 51 years old. We've been around since 1967, and his dad, Bill, yeah. has been a part of CHA since about 68. So a legacy there. there. <laughs> yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, I think Matt, you well, didn't mention, but even my, my daughter's a CHA uh, clinic instructor now as well. So we got we got three of them. My dad's uh, deceased now, but yeah, my dad, my my sister, my wife, my daughter. So it's in the family. <laughs> it's a third three generation. It's awesome. Well, Matt, thank you yeah. so much for being on today. We really appreciate you and your program, and uh, thank you again. Thanks, Matt. All right. Have a great day. So you know what I want to do, Glenn? So you know how we talked about the dad-daughter dance? What about a mom-son dance? I have sons. I want to do that. How uh-huh. cool would that do be? Do they really want to dance with their mom, though? Oh, you know, we go every now and then. I think the it depends what age they are. <laughs> I, I Probably so. <laughs> yeah. But I think that would just be so much fun. <laughs> go on a little trail ride with my boys and then have a little dance uh-huh. after it. You know, yeah. our next guest who's on, she <laughs> has boys. She just adopted two teenage boys, Miss Tara Reimer did. She is a CHA master instructor, clinician, and the director for our Region 2. She owns and operates Cloud Nine Ranch in Steinbach, Manitoba, Canada, with her husband, Derek, and their teenage sons. She serves as an equine specialist and is on the equine-assisted psychotherapy team, which is certified through EGALA. A rhymer teaches vaulting, Western, and English. She has a lifetime of experience showing horses in open and AQHA shows. She enjoys training horses and developing futurity prospects. She also has served as an Equine Canada general performance judge, Western coach, 4-H leader and member, and she is an American Quarter Horse Association professional. Hello, Miss Tara. How are you? Good morning. I am great. How are you? I am good. It's so good to have you back on the show. I love when you want to come on again. Oh, it's a great opportunity. I get to visit with you all and feel like I'm in sunny Florida. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I got a question. Do your <laughs> sons really want to go to a dance with you? We're, you heard us debating that. So, Well, you know, we're, I'm Ukrainian, so we've already taken them to dances. And the younger one, who's 12, absolutely loves it and picked up on it right away. And the 14-year-old is more of a socializer, so he hangs out with the girl. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the age. I think 13 or 14 is when they're not interested in mom or dad anymore. It's 
We have yeah, the you know, it's something new, here. so it depends. It depends yeah. <laughs> I love it. So how is your weather today, Miss Tara? What's going on up there? It is clear and sunny and very, very nice. So we've got our intermediate day camp going on. So it's not too hot, not too cold. So it's just perfect. And I get to see you in a month down here. Yes, we're very excited. We're still deciding whether we'll be flying or road tripping it, but either way, we will be there. Yes. She'll be coming to our conference, Glenn, and doing a talk for us. So Ah. it'll be great to have her there. So those listening can meet her in person if you come to the conference at the end of September. So, Tara, I think why I was really excited to have you on the show today, as you know, we had Julie on first, and she was kind of overarching with kind of business principles. And then we had Matt, who um, is with Marmon Valley, and they've been in camping, and they've been with us since 1968 with CHA, so a really long time, and involved from that perspective um, here in the U.S. And then we have a lot of listeners right now from Canada and from other parts of the world, not just in the U.S., that listen to this show. Um, So I'm just thrilled to have you on as well. And, of course, you do some camp stuff, but you do a whole lot more. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more about Cloud9. Uh, You're kind of like Matt. You do a bunch of different things. Could you share with the listeners all that you do? Sure. So Cloud9 Ranch began in 2003 with just four students. Um, Until then, I had been teaching 4-H. And then it came to where I actually was interested in getting paid for teaching the riding lessons. And so that's how this began. Um, And so over the past 15 years, we have grown to have up to about 100 clients in our busy time per week. Uh, For the first many years, it was just regular riding lessons, uh, Western and English, and then I coached at the shows, the uh, open shows mostly that we went to. And then we had riders with disabilities, uh, mostly adults, that were wanting a safe place to ride. So we added therapeutic riding. And then in 2011, we added two weeks of summer day camps. So they don't come for the evening. We don't, we're not set up for that. They just come for the day. And this year we held uh, six weeks of day camps for the youth. And then we added three weekend adult day camps. And so we run the adult ones similar to what we would do with the youth, but just over a weekend. And uh, after trying vaulting at the 2011 CHA International Conference in Kentucky and then taking a clinic in Seattle, Washington, uh, I added vaulting to our lesson program. And then in more recent, we had requests for mental health therapy program. So I took the EGALA training. And since November of 2015, uh, we offer equine-assisted psychotherapy and equine-assisted learning. In the winter of 2016, upon the request of our clients, wanting something horsey to do over the cold months, because it does get quite chilly up here, uh, we established HAY which stands for Horses Anchoring Youth, uh, for the Unconditional Acceptance of All Youth. And this is a free mentorship program that we offer weekly to females uh, over the winter months. And last winter, we also began a daytime preschool program for children and caregivers, which the parents and grandparents absolutely love. And for the past two summers, we have hosted groups from a city nursing home who come to visit and ride our horses. And above all that, we still continue to train, board, and show horses and offer various clinics and workshops. And I host and staff several CHA standard instructor certification clinics each year and continue to judge several open shows. So we keep busy. I love your diversity. I just love it. Well, we just listen to our clients. And if you had asked me 
five years ago, if we would be doing this, I could not have dreamed that. So we just listen to what the needs of our clients are, really. What's so fun? I bet if we went back on past shows that you've been on, because it's been a few years in between, you know how we kind of wait a little bit. I bet when I asked you what Cloud9 does, I bet it's changed dramatically just from the shows you've been <laughs> on, because you just keep adding all these wonderful programs. I think it's great. And I had no idea yeah. that you got excited about vaulting because of one of our conferences. That makes me very happy. Oh, I was the only adult, and I didn't really come prepared. I just took my shoes off. And I stood in line with all these little kids and I just thought, whatever, suck it up. Who cares? I'm the oldest one here. And when I tried it and realized that it challenged my balance and I've ridden horses all my life, I thought, this is fascinating. I need to do this. That's why I love, you know, the kinesthetic approach, right? If you just watch a lecture, watch a YouTube video, it's not the same as actually getting on the horse and trying it and going, oh my gosh, that is so much harder than I thought. And then it inspires you to go do something. I just love that. Not to brag about, you know, our conference or anything, but the hands-on thing is pretty cool. I love that we're able to have the horses there and do that. So good job. So tell me, Tara, with all the different stuff that you do, what do you think has made your program so successful? And before you answer that, give the, the listeners an idea of just how many horses you have on property, um, how many people you serve a year. Give us an idea of that depth as well. Sure. So I am a numbers person, so I love keeping track of that. And it's always interesting to see how many return each year and our first timers. And so at our busiest time, which is spring and fall, we do have uh, about 90 to 100 clients per week. And even though we have many different uh, programs that we offer, our Western and English riding lessons are still our most popular. And, um, and it is true, I heard it through CHA, that 74 or something like that percent of your students will be first-timers. And, and for us, it's, it is. It's 74% of every year those are first-time students to our program. And so even though we've had students for some of them eight, nine, ten years, um, there's only a few of those left because, of course, they grew up and then they move on to other things. And so um, we have lots of clients but lots of new people every year. We use about, uh, well, we have about 25 horses that we own, and I would say 21 of them are used in our lesson program. And then, of course, every one of them can be used in our therapy, like the mental health therapy side. But as far as actual usable camp, um, vaulting, therapeutic riding horses, then we have about 21 horses that we use. So what has made you successful? No, you're fine. Yeah, so the big thing is, is to recognize that people, the needs of the people are changing and then to be open to that. And I feel as long as we're compassionate to others and what they're asking for and what their needs are, um, and we keep being a student of the horse, so I feel like I'm an advocate for the horse, and my job is to help others connect with the horses in the way that the horse would want them to connect. That's really, um, like, our motto is for the horse's sake. Um, And it's really only with God's wisdom and guidance that we are where we are today. I mean, I couldn't have even dreamed where we'd be. And Cloud9 Ranch started off as my passion for horses, along with a gift of teaching. And uh, I'm truly blessed by the staff that I have been sent my way. And those have been through CHA clinics that I've staffed. And then after I certified them, I'm like, hey, I really like them. I should hire them. So uh, that worked out really well for me. Um, And trust. 
Trust is important in any relationship, uh, integrity, honesty, and these are qualities I try to possess. And over the years of being involved in the horse industry in many different areas, uh, whether I was selling panels for a manufacturer years ago right out of university, or I was editor of Horse Country magazine that was uh, mostly in Western Canada, uh, whatever it is that I'm involved in, I try to be a truthful person and then have some credibility behind my name. And that really takes years to develop. And that doesn't mean I please everyone, um, but it does mean that my heart and intentions are good and word gets around and hopefully enough people will appreciate what we do and want the services that we offer. So for those listening, Tara, I'm interested in this. You've obviously been to the U.S. a lot, and of course you live in Canada. Do you see any difference in how equine businesses are run across the border? I know obviously Equine Canada governs, you know, you up there. Um, we obviously have USEF, um, so there's some differences. Is there anything that you see or want to share? Yeah, definitely. I think there are some, and maybe ones that you would guess that are what I think of, but geographically. Uh, Canadians don't travel as much, and when we do, it is east or west. So, yes, we have a huge country, but very little happens in oh, seven-eighths of the northern part of our communities, especially in Manitoba. So it's, it's not much up there. It's rocks and lakes. And so it's very um, centralized. And so we're in the U.S. when you travel uh, at any truck stop, you've got people coming from every direction. Whereas in Canada, you're going east or west. That's it. And so that makes a difference, too, of where you're pulling from for your clientele. Um, and that means that where, whatever your reputation, it will also more easily follow you because we don't have as many places to go to start over. It's, you know, you'll hear people saying, oh, I didn't make it in this province, so I'll try it in this province. Well, word gets around pretty quick. Um, the horse community is smaller in Canada and therefore more connected. So you really need to be the kind of person that others want to do business with. And I would think it takes longer to establish clientele in Canada as there is a smaller population to work with. I know when we had the Western store um, retail years ago that our Wrangler rep told us that all uh, or Texas sells more Wrangler jeans than all of Canada. Wow. So that's just something to, yeah. So that's, I always put that in perspective when people talk horse numbers and all of that, that that's a huge difference. Yeah, it's you, um, I don't think okay. we realize that down here because, you know, we just go about our business and every state's its own entity. But, you know, we just think Canada is pretty big. I mean, because landmass wise, you're pretty big. But then you talk about the different things you just mentioned. That's fascinating. I never knew that East and West was way it makes sense, though, doesn't it? It makes absolute sense. Yeah, and it, and it affects even for us for showing like quarter horse shows, of course, is for points. And so we have to go to the U.S. a lot, and our dollar is not really great right now. And so you're actually paying a lot more money to get the same point. Um, and we're again, we're only drawing east to west, and so it's it is a, it makes a lot of challenges, especially in the show world. Um, location is important for anybody for lessons, um, as you want to be conveniently near an urban area with a higher population, um, but still have the you know farm idea. So we purchased our property 18 years ago solely with this purpose in mind. And we are on a gravel road in a peaceful farming community that's just five minutes from the nearest city. So I always tell people, we're out in the country, you don't hear the noise, but your Tim Hortons coffee is still hot. <laughs> and, uh, and they appreciate that. <laughs> they appreciate that because they're running kids area, you know, a lot of other 
uh, like Matt said, to soccer and they're running them to hockey and to music. And so we're still close enough to town that they can do that with their other kids, not just the one. And uh, another thing is our cold winters uh, and strong winds. I mean, I know in the U.S. you get some terrible weather, but we get it for, I think, a longer period of time. And and so to offer year-round lessons, uh, it's tough. And I did it for many years. Uh, We only built our indoor arena and barn in 2015. And so for a few months of the year, we had to kind of shut down or only be available when it was warm. And um, so then there's this huge investment of a heated barn and an arena and and all of that that we have to add on. I agree. So what ideas have you done that are creative for marketing all of your different programs that you could share? Uh, Well, we post on Facebook. We have our Facebook page, uh, Kijiji. uh, That is like a free advertising uh, program online that we do here. Um, Instagram, of course send regular emails to our clients, let them know what's going on. We attend local events with a display. Um, our staff and students wear the Cloud9 Ranch clothing. Kind of, I think that's the kind of stuff that a lot of people do, a website. Um, our horse trailer is plastered with our Cloud9 Ranch logo and contact info. Um, we take every opportunity sent our way that will promote our services, whether it is at a career fair at the local high school, uh, bringing horses to an adoption event or kids in care picnic, uh, supplying horses for a Grey Cup football uh, parade, uh, speaking and bringing horses to the legislature. For this, just this year, we have the new Manitoba Service and Therapy Animal Day Act that was put into place, uh, bringing horses at four in the morning to breakfast television uh, in Winnipeg, which is about an hour cool. away, away, just to talk on air. Yeah, when they have like a special country western theme or a rodeo coming up, then they're looking for horses. Do the horses um, do the CCF, talking? Because that would be really popular. <laughs> well, that would be really cool. But no, no we okay. use them for different things. Sometimes in there, the weatherman will come and uh, pretend he's roping off the horse as part of his intro to weather <laughs> or something like that. But <laughs> just being open to whatever they need at early hours. Um, and then, of course, sitting on your local horse association board. Uh, we host a horse show here September 1st. Uh, riding through parades, um, and really wherever there's an opportunity to educate and get people to at least touch a horse, we get involved. And and these opportunities really, uh, most of them cost little to nothing. Uh, people are just thrilled if you'll come out and be a part of it um, in cash, but rather it just costs time and energy. So if you're willing to, to do that and wait for the long-term um, return on it, it's definitely well worth it. And then you make connections with the organizers. And it is, is actually those people who then think of you when their child or grandchild has a birthday party or, oh, my wife would actually like to come for riding lessons. Then it's you that's in their mind. They're not flipping through the um, yellow pages looking for, oh, I wonder who offers this. And to add to everything else that we offer uh, based on our clients' request, this fall we are starting a 4-H club. And I know I left it many years ago. Um, but our clients are asking for it. Um, they want to do more horsey things. And, um, and of course, I want to keep them at our place. And so we're going to do whatever we can to keep our clientele involved here. So that's what we are starting next. You are so good about that. You're so good about saying we had it in the past. And so we're not going to do it again. You don't do that. You say we had it in the past and we got away from it. And now it's come full circle. We need it again. I love that. You got to listen to the clients and yeah. And, and you know what the thing is, is I don't, I'm guessing it's everywhere, 
but people, it, dynamics have changed. Children, um, even the adults, they don't live on farms anymore. They don't have that connection to the horses in the backyard anymore. True. Very true. So we all need to offer it. And that's the fact about you living so close. Cause I'll tell you as a mom of teenage boys, like you are until one of them turns 16 and can drive all the other ones around. I've got to do that. I've got to make time to drive them to their different things. And you know, my mom, she drove cause I lived in Southern California and we had horse programs close to us, but the riding lesson program, she, we found through my babysitter years ago was a half an hour away. And she had to dedicate that half an hour there, that half an hour back the hour for the ride. I mean, that's substantial amount of time when you're trying to drive other children and things around. So I think your idea being close to uh, urban areas so important yeah and the driving time is hard and around here you just it's a still a farming community so you just you can't find properties large enough uh, for most people that can put a horse on it you know it's just little lots and so they're, they're missing that connection they remember when they were kids um, being able to go out and ride and, and there's such a strong drawing for them to be able to just come somewhere and I have people say can we just like can we just put up a tent on your yard and then, like, when we wake up in the morning, then the horses will be here. And, um, and I'm listening to those requests because they just, you know, expect, it's not just kids. It's the adults, too. They just, they want to get away. They just want to wake up in nature. And so that's also on the back burner of how can we set up a cabin or something like that. And we have 77 acres, so in the back bush somewhere, and allow people to do that. Just get away and come here and wake up with the animals. So creative. I love it. So Tara, do you have any overall do's and don'ts to share with our listeners, whether they are brand new to starting a business or have had one a long time? Yeah. So big ones do be honest all the time. And, and I start off with our prices are the same for everyone, whether you're a first time client or if you've been with us for years. So if, if you're somebody that requires uh, funding assistance, there are organizations for that that I can send people to that help fund children that are um, from less fortunate families, or if you have disabilities, we have uh, people that fund that. Um, but I just, I don't want people to think that I do favoritism or anything. So everybody pays the same, whether you bring your own horse or not, whether you're four years old or whether you're 40 years old, uh, we have different uh, pricing for how the length of time, but everybody pays the same. And I just find that people are right away relaxed. And they don't feel like they have to like buy uh, packages and they'll be stuck with you if they don't like it, which that doesn't ever happen anyways. But I don't, I don't want to just tie people to us. I want them to be here because um, they want to be here. Um, we're up front with the horses that we sell, which we sell quite a few. Um, and we do buy them back if they don't work out. So we get it that it doesn't work for everybody. And when you go home and it's the only horse on your yard, um, things dynamics change. And so, we try to work with them, but we're also not trying to just pawn off sore or unruly horses. And so people really appreciate that. And then they know they can come to us and find them the right horse. And we get calls all the time saying, this is what I'm looking for. We know that you do really good matches and we would like you to help us find a horse. And so um, we just need more horses. Um, we also um, don't do drama, which I don't think anybody likes, but uh, we look out for the horse's welfare. And I think that's one of the most important things that sets us apart is that we don't make decisions solely for financial reasons. So even though we want to be viable as a business, uh, we do what is right and honorable. And uh, so we give refunds if there were unforeseen circumstances. 
uh, for missing lessons or all of a sudden can't come to camp. Uh, we try to be uh, fair about that. And uh, we allow volunteers to hang out and help us uh, because they can't afford to pay for lessons. We just say, you know what, just come and help or just hang out. We'd love to have you here. Uh, and also for the horses that we train, we actually track when and how we train them. So there's accountability with the owners and so on. And really in the end, we just treat others the way we would want to be treated. Tara, that is all such good information, no matter what your business is, whether it's a horse business or something else. So how can folks find you? What is the easiest way for them to do that? Well, I could drive all the way to Cloud9 Ranch and drive back to Manitoba, <laughs> Canada. Or they can visit our Facebook page, which is called Cloud9 Ranch. Our website is cloud9ranch.ca. And on Instagram, they can follow us at cloud9ranchmd. And, um, or come visit at the International Conference in Colorado. Those are all different ways. Well, Tara, thank you. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show as always. And yes, see you in a month. Yes, thank you for having me and enjoy your summer weather. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. And that just goes to prove that our Canadians are nice. Right there. So much so. And she says, <laughs> how did she say drama? I yeah. love that. Dr- uh, drama? Drama, I think. It was maybe. drama. It I took me that. a minute to actually think about what she was talking about. And I went, oh, okay, got it. I love the accents of the Canadians listening. You guys are awesome, eh? <laughs> you are. Well, that was fun. What a good informational show. And uh, one that I think uh, anybody wanting to start a business, when they're ready, should go back and take a listen to again. Uh, it's it definitely worthwhile. There is... Uh, there's so many takeaways from there. And keeping the drama out of your place is one of the hardest things to do, but one of the most important things to do, too. Huge, huge. Always fire your worst client. You'll get yes, 20% more. You'll, yep. you'll, you'll do 20% better if you fire your worst client. Absolutely. It's so hard to do when you're running a business, though, and you're just starting out and you don't want to lose the money. But it's Correct. the most important thing you could do, actually. And I've had people, I've said that before in the show, and I've had people say, you know, I never thought about doing that before, and now I've done it, and they were very happy they did. Because it's just, your worst client's also the client that pays the least and costs you the most amount of money. Every time. Time. It costs you time time and money and aggravation and mental fortitude. And it just, when you get rid of them, all of a sudden, all of that is available, and you do better. It's just true. So um, so we're lean, leaving on a positive today. Fire somebody. <clears throat> Go out and fire somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and then hire three good ones. There, I made it positive. That's right, exactly. That's right. And then you're all set. <laughs> no, but it really was cool. And what large operations, 150 horses Matt has. Holy I know, isn't crap. that awesome? I could just it's picture awesome. his farm, though, couldn't you? The way he described I just could picture the whole thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. you were so funny when you said, oh, and what do you do at Christmas time? He yeah. goes, well, actually, we do actually, have something. I knew he had to. It was just like idyllic. Just, you know, <laughs> just 3,100 people. That's yeah, all. Just exactly. 3,100 show up for that deal. Did, couldn't wow. you just picture the Christmas trees and the wagon oh, yeah. and <laughs> the whole thing? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and the cocoa. I mean, it just, he had to have it. It was just had to be there. Well, thank you once again, Christy, for doing this for us. We really appreciate it. I'm going to also see you in a couple of weeks in Tryon, North Carolina. 
Yes. So it'll be fun having you uh, having you there. And we, of course, you can find all of the past episodes of Certified Instructors. You can find uh, it at uh, our website, horsesinthemorning.com. Scroll down to the middle of the page, and you'll see the CHA logo. Click on that, and it'll actually bring you to all the past episodes that we've done over the past many years. So you'll find dozens of them if you want to take a listen. Each one kind of has its own theme, so you're probably going to find something that, uh, that fits. If not, just search in our search box and I'll bring up all the episodes of all the shows we've done uh, that uh, relate to the topic you're looking for. So that's one of the easiest ways to do it. What's the website again? And if people want to attend the conference and they're listeners of ours, how do they do that? Yes, they go to CHA.horse, click on the International Conference button under Education, and you can get the CHA member discount if you just put Horse Radio Network or HRN in the coupon code button, or you can call us and we can get it done that way. Um, and then as far as if you're trying to find an instructor or a bar near you, you go to CHAinstructors.com, put in your zip code or postal code and the amount of distance you want to drive, and they all come up. Very good. And we'll be back here tomorrow morning. It is our 2000th episode. So Woo-hoo! we get past Y2K tomorrow. And if we survive the night, and then we'll, we're going to have a party. It's going to be a party tomorrow. So it's a listener party. We want all of you to call in if you can. I've got a bunch of voicemails we're going to play. And we're just looking forward to hanging out with you. Uh, Jennifer's going to join us as a co-host tomorrow. Jemmy's going to produce. We're going to have the whole gang here. Jamie's going to be here. And we're just going to take calls and listen to voicemails. And we're going to talk to you about our favorite episodes from the past 2000, which is hard to pick. <laughs> um, that's really hard to pick. So we're, we're going to do that. Just have a fun morning. We are just going to hang out with our listeners. Nothing we like doing better. So if you want to call us tomorrow morning, it's 435-272-1997. That'll be on the website. Just go to horseinthemorning.com. I'll have a big banner there with a the phone number. Just give us a call and hang out with us for a few minutes. Tell us what your favorite moments have been from Horses in the Morning over the last number of years. Um, you know, how long you've been listening. We want to hear all about you and, and uh, you know, and if we've provided any value in your life, you know, have we have we done anything for you? That's what we want to know. So tomorrow morning, come hang out with us, episode number 2000. I asked somebody in the know today in the podcasting world, and they he said that he doesn't think there's more than 25 to 50 podcasts ever that have reached 2000. Wow. Okay, so, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, and if you think about it, most podcasts are weekly. They never get to that point, even if they're really good about doing shows. Um, and the daily ones don't usually last for eight years like we have. So we, uh, we're we in rarefied air here, and we're proud of it, but it's only because of you guys uh, that you're listening every day and being here. And it's because of hosts like Christy. Thank you so much for being part of this all of these years. Uh, you know, we have eight, we have, we have actually nine or ten different hosts on Horses in the Morning, and you guys bring a lot of listeners to us, and you hang out with us every month, and it's so important for this show, so thank you for being part of it, and thank the, thanks to the CHA for being part well, of it Well, Glenn and well. Jen, it's my pleasure. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, and we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. 